0: For another one, Simply Financial, Walter Storholt here alongside
1: Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you throughout the Tri-City area office right there in Pinconning. You can come by, say hello anytime. Visit us online at InsightFolios.com. Click the Listen button. You can ask questions, listen to past episodes of the show, and find more information as well. That's at InsightFolios.com kevin my good friend what are you doing you you're back from one fishing trip just a couple of weeks ago and now you're getting ready for another one aren't you
2: i am i i finally went to uh, wyoming walter and i went to the miracle mile it's always been on my bucket list of things and we caught some big old rainbows 22 23 24 inch rainbows
1: i'm looking at the pictures that you sent Uh, me and those are some pretty pretty fish
2: if anybody wants to look at them, I, I give them to my buddy Tyler from Moth Bear. Remember, we talked about Moth Bear. If you go on to Instagram and you look on Moth Bear, just look Moth Bear up, you'll see my picture there, that big old rainbow and that big old smile on my face. That you was, got
1: it. That and, was a pretty and good And a moth, uh, moth Bear shirt, right?
2: I, I do or have a Moth shirt. Bear yeah. shirt. Yeah, I went to his website and loaded up in some gear before I went out there. And, awesome. Uh, that awesome. That, that was a lot of fun. And now we're going to the White River. We go there every year in Arkansas. And uh, really looking forward to that because, as I put it, Walter, when we go fishing there, that's not fishing. That's that. Uh, that's catching. Ah, it just just it just matter getting in the water. So,
1: and so it's 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 truly fishing a barrel at that point. Yes, yeah, so there's okay. lots of fish here.
2: Now the trick is we're always after that great big brown, which has been elusive. So we haven't caught the great big brown trail, but we're after it this time. And we'll see we'll see how we come out
1: nice that last picture that you sent me with the uh, of the rainbows I mean that one just has just a big girthy belly on it I mean just yes. that was a good yeah, catch yes. it looks like yeah yes it could just be the camera angle I don't know if you're kind of pushing pushing it out a little bit or not but no it was big <laughs> it was
2: that's why we, in fact I was fishing with Dan and we caught one at the same time he didn't want his in the picture because mine was much that, bigger. that's why you took so, the solo picture that that's time. why we took the solo picture that's yep. great oh yep. fantastic yeah yep.
1: Well, glad you had a great time and uh, safe travels down to Arkansas for a little trip down there. And uh, may, may the fish bite. And your lines, what do they say? May your lines be tight and the fish bite? Yep. Something along That's those lines. right. Tight
2: lines. Yep. Tight, tight lines. lines. Yep.
1: Perfect. Uh, I love it. Well, have a great trip. And uh, we'll look forward to a report from you soon on how it went. Uh, we've got a great show on the way today. We're going to try and answer a question or two from our listeners. A couple of other good topics on the way. But let's begin talking about risk, Kevin. I think this will be a good conversation because risk is, I think, on everybody's mind as they get closer to retirement and you start thinking about the proper way to invest your money and save and how much risk am I supposed to take and all this kind of stuff. And if you ever meet with an advisor, you might hear the term risk tolerance then pop up as part of that conversation. So we want to kind of define what risk tolerance is all about and just have a good conversation for these next couple of minutes about risk and what the whole deal is with that concept so Kevin I'll let you kind of start this off with maybe you know how do you describe risk tolerance to somebody who's maybe not familiar with the concept
2: well people are let me let me give an example of what I've heard out there before or seen out there before before we go down that road Walter so I I'm betting that most people listening right now when they just heard risk tolerance they fill out a questionnaire somewhere down the road that says on a scale of one to ten how do you feel about risk so that's one way okay and another unique way that I've seen in person, and this was from somebody who sold annuities, so I mean it makes sense. So, and he took out a tape ruler, and he would go to somebody in the in his group there, and he'd say, "How long do you think you're going to live?" And so, let's say somebody said 85 years old, and he said, so he pulled out 85 inches on this tape ruler, and then he said, "Well, how old are you now? 65." He took back 65. So he illustrated that's your lifespan. Most of it's gone. Three-quarters of it's gone. So based on that, you shouldn't have much risk at all. But how do we determine risk here? I can determine risk by what your retirement number is. We talk about this all the time uh, every week on the show. What do you need to average on your portfolio going forward so you don't run out of money and get you two and through retirement? That's how I'm basically in risk. It's not risk. It's not how you feel about risk. It's not about how many years you think you got left. It's about what do you need? What is the absolute minimum you need to do going forward in order to do all the things that you want to do in retirement? All those years of working, all those years of sacrificing, all those years of missing kids games because you were working overtime to get you to retirement and those things. What is it that you have to do from this point forward? Let's figure out that number. Let's not guess. Let's not you know have a feeling. Let's just figure out that number. Another way too is you could go to Yahoo Finance, not Yahoo, Yahoo Finance, and you could pick out any any fund that you want. And we did this for somebody not too long ago, and there was a commodities fund, Walter. So this year it's up thirty three point four eight percent. Would you be happy with that? That sounds pretty good to me. Thirty three point four eight percent. But what do you think the worst badger was?
1: Uh, maybe maybe the same. I'll just flip it and say that same thing down.
2: That was 2008, it was down 43%. Oh,
1: even worse, okay, gotcha.
2: So now, if if I say, on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel about risk, and you come up with an eight, this may fit into your portfolio. But then on the other hand, if I say, it swings, it's pretty wild. This year it's up 33 and it was down 43, and there's other years that it was down 26. Does that make you feel different when, when you hear something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that does seem a little bit wilder. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a lot wilder because there's some wild swings. Let's base it on a real number, what you need to do going into retirement to get you two through. Let's not guess. Let's not go through that game. Let's figure out what it is and then come up with recommendations saying, all right, we need to do X. Here's how we can do it. And here's how we produce the income. And this is the tolerance that you need. You can take more risk, but this is the tolerance that you need going in. And then let's, let's, let's go from there. But it is figured out. Don't guess. Let's figure it out.
1: Very good. Helpful to view that perspective, I think, um, as we talk about risk tolerance. So what do you do in those conversations with people to get an understanding of what somebody's risk tolerance is? Is it just, you know, like, I don't know, uh, just listening to their answer? Or do you push back a little bit on what they say versus what you think it might actually be?
2: Well, sometimes, exactly, Walter, sometimes, you know, they'll say, well, I'm a, I'm a six on that scale or whatever happens to be. But I look at their portfolio and they're all small cap stocks. They're a 10. It doesn't match up. Or they're just the opposite. They have you know, maybe a stable value fund. They're taking very little risk, but they're saying they're a six. So how do we do it? Just like I said, we're, we're going to figure out in that simplicity income plan, we're going to figure out that number. And then I'm going to go forth and say, all right, based on this, you need to do this, and these are the investments that that will get you there, you know, and get you to and through retirement. And we're gonna look at the risk that's associated with that. Now, like I said in the past, we can take more risk, but we absolutely have a floor. We need to we need to earn four percent. On your investments from today all the way to 95, there are certain investments that we can use, and there are certain investments that are going to generate income. There are certain investments that have higher risk, lower risk, and that's where diversification is coming in. You know, diversification is going to take down someone's risk over over time, as, as we know. So understanding what you need going in, and that's what we call it needs-based. And, Walter, we touched on it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Let's figure out what you need. Once we figure out what you need, it's easier to, you know, it's easier to plan. Let's not guess. Let's not, you know, let's not uh, go on motions. Let's not let today's environment, because it's up, it's down, it's, it's wild. Everybody's always saying, you know, the next big 2008 is just around the corner. If it is, and we don't know if it is, let's figure out. So when that does happen, because another 2008 is coming sometime, I don't know when, but we have your portfolio structured in such a way that your income doesn't suffer, and it'll get you to and through retirement.
1: But give us some context here, Kevin. I mean, how important truly is understanding that risk tolerance? Like, if, if you kind of incorporate that factor into your plan that you design for them, I mean, how much is that really influencing the plan? Or are we really more just talking about how you feel about it, but it's not really impacting how the plan gets designed?
2: With me, it's, it's needs. So it's, it's, it's understanding, yeah, we need to take X amount of risk. So this is what we need to do in order to get you to and through retirement. Does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, so it's it's just like, I mean, can it have a... If you're like, all right, the best thing for this client is to structure their portfolio this way, but they have a really different opinion about risk, does that then actually cause you to change their plan because their view of risk is so different from maybe even what might be in their best interest? You have to kind of take that into account where it actually changes the plan?
2: In this way, Walter. So let's say that they need to take, you know, I don't know, fifty percent stocks, fifty percent bonds or fifty okay. whatever it is, right? But when I do the when I do the uh, income plan, it says they can take less. So they can still keep it fifty-fifty in that particular instance if they want, um, without an issue. It's taking more risk than the plan says they need to. Yeah, certainly we can do that. But on the other hand, if they need to take, you know, the, the let's say they have everything in the safe, you know, in the bank or in the nudie or something like that. And then their number tells me we need to take more risk or they're going to run out of money. Then that's where the pushback for me is going to come. So you're sort of say,
1: setting the, the the parameters. You're setting the boundaries. And then the client can kind of choose their comfort level within those boundaries. But you're kind of saying you got to be kind of somewhere in this range.
2: Exactly. And it's based on not a boilerplate. It's based on their needs, what they want to do in retirement. That's a really good question okay. that you just asked me. So it's we're going to figure it out first. What do you need? How much risk? And then we're going to go from there. And there's, we're going to set parameters, just like you said.
1: Are most people pretty similar, Kevin? I mean, you, you know the folks of in the in the Tri-City area. When people come in to meet with you, are, is everyone pretty close on their risk tolerance or uh, wide variance?
2: There's a wide variance. Okay. Because a lot of people in our area will have pensions because they work for the automakers or maybe Dow or somebody like that. And then and the other side, if you don't have a pension you know, that's more income that we need. So the tolerance is going to, we're going to have to take more in, the, in those particular cases more often than not. So,
1: Okay. So yeah, they, this is definitely not a one size fits all part of the conversation
2: no, for sure. No, it, it isn't. We, we need to figure it out. And then base base your recommendations on what you need to take. Not how much you think you need to take, but what you need to take. Well,
1: Kevin, let, let's bring this home with an example or uh, a story perhaps of someone maybe that you've met with in you know, the last couple of years or at some point during your working career, let's say that they had a low risk tolerance. They just couldn't handle a whole lot of risk. It made them really scared and nervous. How'd you design that plan for somebody like that?
2: They had a low risk, but their need was higher? Is that what you're asking me?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine if okay. that's if that's okay. the situation, sure.
2: So somebody comes to mind right now. I had a couple come in and they were just like you said. They didn't want to take any risk. They had the majority of their money in, in annuities, and they were, you know, they weren't producing a whole lot of interest. And when we looked at their plan, if we went down that same path, they're gonna, you know, produce X amount of interest rate off those annuities. They're gonna run out of money by the age of eighty two. Um, and so I had that conversation. Being where we're at, based on with no no risk tolerance that you want, and the income that we need, keeping up with inflation and all the other things that you want to do in retirement, they had a good chance of running out of money at eighty two. So the, you know, the talk went from. Do you want to stay down that path? You know, because most people would not. So then we had to introduce, we got to take some risk. And how do we do it? How do we produce income in volatile markets, up markets, down markets, and sideways markets? And there are answers to that those those questions out there. So we just went down that avenue. Now we could keep a lot of money safe, and what they wanted to do, but we had to take some out. We had to put it in, in some risk investments to generate the, the income. Number one, the income that they're going to need, and more importantly, to keep up the inflation. We know that inflation is running wild right now. I mean, we're gonna have, you can get an I bond right now, Walter. What do you think it is? I just read it this morning. The interest rate.
1: Oh, well, things have been up a little bit, right? So I can't say you know point point zero one anymore. Like we're up a little over, higher or, now, over eight. Oh, over eight, eight? percent.
2: Oh, okay. Cool. Now, I bonds, inflationary bonds. So the other bonds are still. Oh, removable. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But you know, so there's some there's investments that may get you to and through retirement, and there are investments that absolutely won't get you to and through retirement. So we need to figure that out in in that conversation I had with that couple. You absolutely cannot get through retirement and do the things you want to do, invested the way you are. So we have to have that risk conversation. We have to have that conversation. We have to come up with a plan that says, all right, we can take X we need X amount of risk. How do we get there? How do we generate the income? And that's the conversation that we typically have coming into our office for people like that.
1: Well, you can get a complimentary review with Kevin by simply picking up the phone, giving a call, and setting up that time to visit. The number to dial is 888-885-PLAN. You can assess your risk tolerance and see how that fits into the overall financial plan and your retirement picture. It just starts with a simple conversation. Kevin sets aside time on his calendar each week to meet with folks for the first time, go through their plan, give you a complimentary review, see if it would make sense to work together and put together a better financial plan for your retirement. 888-885-PLAN is the number. There's a reason we call it Simply Financial here on the radio show. We try to break things down into easy-to-understand terms and uh, make it simple to understand how your money's working for you, how to get to where you want to be in the future. 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. If you get the voicemail, leave a message. Kevin and the team will follow up with you to set up that time to meet. 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. All right, still more to get to on today's show. Stick with us. You're listening to Simply Financial
0: with Kevin Ray. After a while, all that financial noise seems to run together.
1: In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone, the Great Depression, passed the anyone, anyone.
0: It's time for a fresh perspective. Keep listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray.
1: Glad you're with us on Simply Financial today. Walter Stroholt with Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you throughout the Tri-City area with an office right in Pinconning. Find us online at insightfolios.com. Click the Listen button to ask questions or listen to past episodes of the show. You can also look for the Simplicity Express button on the homepage as well, insightfolios.com. Get a mini starter financial plan after just a few clicks of a button. Great place to start for a lot of folks if you're not quite ready to pick up that phone and call Kevin and have a conversation about your finances. Go ahead and do a little research on your own. Go to Simply Financial's website. That's insightfolios.com and click on the Simplicity Express button. All right, Kevin, I wanted to find out what you think about some hot topics in the financial world, because you can find a lot of intense debate about some of these topics if you look online or uh, listen to perhaps, you know, uh, debate on news radio or, you know, watch TV at night, CNBC. You're going to see some of these topics getting talked about, or if you read blogs or whatever the case may be, you're going to see people with very strong opinions on either side of these arguments. So I want to run through some of the big hot topics in the financial world today and see what you think. As an advisor serving folks in Pin conning and the surrounding communities, how's that sound? It sounds like fun, all right. Uh, I'm sure you have this conversation with a lot of your clients. What's better? Paying off debt or building up savings?
2: Ooh. Now, you know where I'm going to answer, don't you? I think you're more on the debt side, right? I I am on more on the debt side, but we want enough savings in the background to have at least six months or possibly one year of an emergency funds built up before we go down that paying off debt road. Now, the reason I say pay off debt is if you have credit card debt, it's not unusual to have 10, 15, 20% interest. So that's obviously a good thing to get rid of that debt because it's hanging over your head and it's going to cost you. Thousands and thousands of dollars potentially in the future. Same thing with your home. If you take a thirty-year mortgage out, in the first years, we're we're just basically paying most of our payments going to interest versus the principal. And the same thing here. If you look at how much interest you're going to pay over thirty years versus paying that off earlier, that to me is significant. You know, and we can always in that plan allocate monies to get you you know to your retirement goal or your retirement savings. But that overhanging you when you especially go into retirement, let's say that you carry $20,000 in credit card debt and you have a $100,000 home mortgage loan and you want to retire six months from now. Well, we know that we have to add into your retirement income those dollars that are going to pay those bills. And they may be for another 10 or 15 years. Do you really want that hanging over your head? I don't think so in most cases. Most cases when people come in, we're gonna put a plan together to you know, start saving for retirement and focus on getting that debt down and going into retirement as debt-free as we can.
1: Fantastic, and uh, definitely a good conversation to have with yourself and with your advisor. Pay off debt, build up savings, finding that right balance there. All right. uh, Kind of in a similar fashion, we've got this then question about debt, but more specifically about a home. Is it best to pay off your house as soon as possible or keep a mortgage as long as you can?
2: Well, in most cases, I'm, I'm still on the side of paying off the house as soon as possible. But there are some mortgages out there where the rates are in the 2%. You know, there's some argument there that could be made well maybe we you know we make an extra payment or two a month and make that a priority versus paying it off in 10 years but in most cases like i just said you know i want to i want people going into retirement with as least debt as they can and if we look at the houses and we have that 30 year term you know it can save you thousands and thousands of dollars going into that and if you pay that house off early walter let's say you have a 30 year mortgage and you pay it off in 10 years, you have 20 years now that you can take that payment that you're putting on your house and start investing for yourself into your own 401ks or IRAs, or whatever it happens to be. That'll supercharge your savings plan too. So there's a good plan. And there's a good medium of what makes sense, paying off the house a certain time frame, taking those dollars that you're freeing up from debt, maybe credit card also, and taking those dollars and investing them in your 401k and your IRAs to get you to retirement.
1: Fantastic. Again, if you've got questions about some of these topics that we're discussing right now, please reach out to Kevin while it's on your mind. 888-885-PLAN is the number. 888-885-7526. You can come into the office in Pinconning, have a conversation about this, and uh, go through a review of your financial plan. 888-885-PLAN, again, the number to call. All right, let's talk about insurance, Kevin. Another hot topic in the financial world is should you buy term life insurance? or permanent life insurance?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Let's let's explain the difference between term. Okay. So term life insurance says you're gonna buy it for a term, usually 10 or 20 years. Now you can get them 30 years. What that means is when you buy that insurance policy for that 10 or 20 or 30 year time frame, the premium does not change, it's gonna be there. But at the end of that term, the 10 or 20 or 30 years, that insurance is no longer in place. And then if you still need insurance, you need to buy more insurance. Now what's the problem with that? The problem is you have to be healthy, number one, and 30 years later, 20 years later, the insurance are gonna be more costly. So in most cases, I have term insurance myself, Walter. So if that that tells you where I'm leaning, I have it myself. Now permanent life insurance says this, there is no term. As long as you pay that premium in there, you should have that life insurance. Now there's some exceptions to that but if we're looking at permanent insurance the premiums are going to be higher than term that's why people typically buy term and what happens is you have a side fund in that uh, permanent life insurance so it's building cash value and it's it's building tax-free there's certain instances where that makes perfect sense also but most of the time especially if you're a younger person and you have family And you need a bunch of money if something happens to you, term is going to be more affordable for a young couple starting out. Permanent life insurance may make more sense for somebody who's a little bit older. And there's also those hybrid permanent life insurance policies out there that can be used to pay for nursing home care assisted living going down the road. So it depends in that situation what your circumstances are to make sure that, you know, that fits your, what you're trying to do going into life.
1: We're talking about all sorts of different hot topics in the financial world with Kevin Ray of Insight Folios on today's show. Let's get into mutual funds. Kevin, are they good or bad? Ooh, what I about think that they,
2: debate? I think they can be both. How about you? Uh,
1: I th- yeah, I think this one fits in that category of their tools. So it's like saying, is a hammer good or bad? Well, it just right, depends right. on how you use the hammer.
2: Exactly. Now, we look at mutual funds, which is basically – Two types of mutual funds. There's active mutual funds, which means there's a money manager trying to beat the market. And then there's passive mutual funds. What they're going to do is they're just going to buy a set amount of stocks and bonds, and they're going to hold on to them for the most part. Now, if we look back, and if you Google this, what percentage of mutual fund managers beat the S&P 500 year in, year out, um, it's not very many. In fact, 85% basically failed to beat the S&P 500 year in, year out. So that means that the odds are, if you pick a passive investment, you're probably going to be further ahead than you are an active mutual fund. So is that good or bad? Well, it depends. The, the active mutual fund managers, there are some active mutual fund managers out there who, who, who do beat the markets, not very often. And then their costs are going to be more because they're trying to beat their buying and selling. They're, they're trying to reposition stocks and bonds. So they're, they're going to pay at a little additional cost. But if they beat the market, that little additional cost is usually worth it. Now, on the other hand, the active man, the passive fund, costs are going to be very low. And if 85% of the time they beat the other guys, I'm looking at something like that because I don't want a lot of churning when I'm saying churning a lot of buying and selling of of different stocks and bonds in that account that's generating all those additional expenses. So mutual funds have been around a long time. They've been good because they've helped people build a lot of fortune um, through 401ks, through IRAs, and just plain investing. So when you go back to the 60s, that's when they became very popular and it's gotten people to retirement. But there's good and bad funds just like everything else. And when you're looking at your own portfolio, make sure the funds that you have are diversified, number one, and number two are going to accomplish what you're trying to do.
1: Very good. Again, if you have questions for Kevin, you can call him at 888-885-PLAN. That's 888 888-885- 885 Seventy-five twenty-six. if anything we talk about sparks some interest in your mind or additional questions. Uh, what about annuities? Uh, kind of the same thing, against sort of the hammer analogy here, but uh, are annuities considered good or bad in your eyes for most of your clients?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. So if we break annuities down, there's basically four types of annuities. So there's an immediate annuity, which means I'm going to give an insurance company a lump sum, and in return, I'm going to get payments guaranteed for life or a certain time frame. Then there's a plain-jane fixed annuity. Think of that as like a five-year CD or something of, of that nature. You're going to keep it there for a period of years. You're guaranteed a certain interest rate. Now we're getting into the indexed annuities, which is the third annuity, which is linked to some sort of market index. So if the market goes up, you participate. And if the market goes down, you typically earn zero. But we have to be careful on some of those because there's what's called caps, meaning you can only earn so much in that particular index annuity. And then there are variable annuities. Now, this is the one people usually hear about, the variable annuities. Um, The majority of them have a lot of high fees in there. There's stocks and bonds. There's a lot of hidden costs in there that you don't know about. So in your situation, one annuity could work for you and one annuity could not work for you. So I think there's some good ones and I think there's some bad ones, just like the mutual funds. And the annuities for guaranteed purposes are pretty good. I mean, if you're looking for a guaranteed return on annuities today, you can get as high as 3.7%. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you compare that to the bank, that's pretty good. And then there's the indexed annuities that can give you you know, downside limitations but upside potential. So there's all sorts of things out there, Walter. It just depends which tool, like you said, you're trying to do and how is it going to accomplish your goal of getting you to retirement.
1: Very good, Kevin. One last one, especially with some of the upheaval we've seen across the world recently, a renewed interest in kind of you know metals and that sort of thing. What about gold? Gold's been long pitched as a good place to park retirement dollars, but very controversial as well. To say that, should you own gold or not?
2: Well, you know how many how many phone calls do you think I get on that, Walter? I
1: would say a decent amount.
2: Yeah, I do. I just get because one there's two.
1: so much marketing about gold out there.
2: Exactly. That's where I was going to get to. I get one or two phone calls a week typically, because they're getting a newsletter, they're hearing it on TV, they're hearing it on the radio, or whatever it happens to be. If I go back 100 years ago, Walter, there's an old saying about gold It keeps up with inflation, right? Everybody knows that. But the old saying about gold is 100 years ago, if you had one ounce of gold, it bought a nice tailored suit, okay? Okay. So what do you think an ounce of gold buys today?
1: Uh, I don't know. A nice a tailored nice ta- suit. <laughs> a nice tailored suit,
2: right? So it's a hedge. It's a hedge against what you think is coming down the road. So there's nothing wrong with holding gold. I just wouldn't go more than five or ten percent of my portfolio into that into that position. And when you buy gold, do you buy physical gold? Do you buy funds? Do you buy ETFs? And if you buy physical gold, meaning that they're going to send you either the the gold coin or the you know the gold bar or whatever it happens to be, now you have to store it. Where are you going to store it? Um, and if you don't want to store it, then the companies there will also store it for you, but charge you a fee. And not only that, there's typically high commissions when you're buying gold. So if you're going to buy gold, you got to be very careful how you're getting into this into this investment and don't over invest into it. You know, five, 10% is typically what I'm going to tell people because it's going to be a hedge against inflation and we and a hedge against the market going down. And we know right now we're in very volatile times. All you have to do is go to the gas station. Go to the grocery store or listen to the news. We know that all that's happening right now. And I think that's what's causing all of the commotion and all the calls that we're receiving from gold. It's because people don't know where they stand. So how do you figure this out? Sit down, do the plan, figure out if gold can make a good you know, import into your portfolio and if it will help you to get where you want to go to and through retirement. If not, then focus on other things. But if it does, yeah, 5-10% I don't have an issue with.
1: All right, very good. Another great uh, great topic to talk about, another great topic that we've heard people go back and forth about. So, again, if you want to get in touch, all you have to do is give Kevin a call at 888-885-PLAN. Talk about some of the questions that are on your mind about your plan, about your retirement future, and he can help you navigate through those different questions and put together a full financial plan for you so that you can have clear instructions and an idea of where you're heading and how to get there. Call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526 to get in touch today. Again, all you have to do is pick up the phone and call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888 888-885- 885 7526. More to get to on today's show. Stay tuned here on Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. More to come after this. It's getting to know you time. Time to get to know Kevin Ray a little bit better on today's show. Kevin, this was an easy one, and you knew it was going to be about food. What's your favorite meal? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? We talk about
2: food a lot here, don't we? We do. It's a, it's a staple. But if I have to think about it, and I'm going to say breakfast, and here's the reason, Walter, because mm-hmm. I normally don't eat breakfast. Oh, so you're saying what's your okay. favorite meal? But it's because when I do sit down and eat breakfast, I really look forward to it. Um, normally, my bref- breakfast considers a banana every morning, and then on the weekend, if we go someplace, I really, I really look forward to you know the eggs, the ham, and dipping your toast in the yolk and the hash browns and all that kind of good stuff. So I'd have to say breakfast, although I do have some favorite dinner meals, but, uh, you know, I have dinner every day, so breakfast is kind of sticking out to me right now. How about you?
1: I get exactly what you're saying. Like, you you have something for breakfast every day, but how often do you have a a meal for breakfast? Yes. So, yeah, that makes it sort of special to have a meal, a true meal for breakfast. And I think the traditional breakfast food, you just can't beat it. Just like a good link of sausage or obviously some bacon eggs any way you want to make them um just you just can't beat a good piece of toast especially as someone who's only had like three or four pieces of bread in the last year kevin i actually splurged on myself a little bit last weekend we went out to get some breakfast and uh i I had toast i had traditional white toast as a treat, and it was so good it was so good so, it, was, so it, it, it it like solidified breakfast's <laughs> ranking at the top of the list, for sure.
2: So how many pounds are you down now?
1: Uh, 109 as of wow. this morning.
2: Yeah. There, there's so. a big clap. A big shout, yes. Thank you.
1: I'm in yes. the midst of another nice drop right now. I kind of stabilized at the 100 mark, and now over the last two weeks, I've, I'm, I'm pushing. Th- I rededicate. Other than the toast, I cheated that one day with the toast, but other than <laughs> that toast day, I've uh, the last two weeks, I got back serious on the diet to keep pushing through, and so... Down another nine pounds already. Probably by next week's show, we can officially say the under uh, 110 and beyond.
2: So. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and your voice has gained about three pounds, it sounds like. So oh, well that's that, doing good. That's, yeah, that's good. that's good. That's yes. good. I mean, usually
1: yes. yeah, a little extra weight does help with the voice. You know, Because like, yep. you see some radio guys that have the awesome voice, have the weight. I don't know if there's a correlation there. But I'll take the weight loss and a deeper voice. Although I, c- I can control that a little bit. So.
2: <laughs> yes, you can.
1: I can make that go as yeah. deep as we need it to go. Here if, Kevin.
2: If you keep going the way you're going, we're going to have to pour muddy water through you just to see your shadow. Oh, wow. I mm, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's good. So uh, anyway, yeah, breakfast food. I think we're on the same page.
2: And I'm going to give a quick shout out here, uh, Walter. Please. Colleen, we talked about... Um, our uh, you know our favorite toys when we we're growing up she yeah. dropped a slinky off at my office oh, and I want to nice. thank colleen yeah that was that was pretty nice there so, so i have it sitting on my ago. shelf a nice. couple of weeks ago yep
1: well fantastic you got the slinky now to add to your do you, do you have a, uh, an office like that where you've got a collection of like mementos and little toys and little you know whatnots all surrounding you
2: yeah a lot of it has to do with hunting and fishing yeah. Yep. okay yep. Yep. gotcha
1: yep. that's cool I need to do that. I, I, don't, I don't give my office much personality. I need to throw a few more trinkets up here and there.
2: I have a plaque in my office that says, over the years I spent my money on fine shotguns in the rough grouse society. The rest i just wasted.
1: Nice, nice. <laughs> and That sounds like it probably applies to you uh, it very does. accurately. <laughs> yes. I love it. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Kevin and I are both in agreement. Breakfast food, can't beat it. It's a nice treat and a favorite meal. All right, more coming up on today's show. We'll answer some of your questions before we wrap up for the week. Stay tuned
0: physics encompasses the entire universe from quantum particles to supernovas from spinning electrons to spinning galaxies no need to complicate it this is simply financial
1: we're talking with kevin ray today on simply financial glad that you are with us today before we run off for the week we want to answer some of your questions you can submit those questions online at InsightFolios.com. Click the Listen button to ask a question or email Kevin. It's Kevin at InsightFolios.com. And you can also call if you want to talk about setting up time to meet for a complimentary financial review at 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. All right, I got a question here from Lil. Lil says, I used to get statements in the mail showing me how much my Social Security benefit will be, but I haven't seen one in a long time. How do I determine my benefits and decide when I should start taking it?
2: That's a good question, Lil. So a lot of us are not receiving our statements anymore. So what do you do? You go on to www.ssa.gov and you sign up and you're going to get your statements. Now, if you've done that in the past, that's probably the reason you're not receiving statements. They changed the formula, Walter. I don't know if you know this or not. But once you turn 60 and you have not created that account, they will mail you the statement three months earlier than your birthday. So that's that's the reason people you know people aren't getting their statements. But I encourage everybody, if you come into my office, that's the first things that we're gonna request is to bring your statement in. And why? Lil, you just asked it, because we're gonna help you determine when should you start taking your benefits? When does that make the most sense for you? And how do we do that? We put together that income plan because Social Security is gonna be a big part of that income plan. Yeah, that you're going into probably a third or if not more of your income retirement is going to come from that so that's critical you know that information so for those of you that don't have it go to www.ssa.gov and they're going to ask you a few questions they're going to verify certain things but go in there and get that because that's important don't let that slide by and walter from what i read they only make three million mistakes per year social security benefit oh, only three million that's not bad And you only can go back and correct the last two or three years. So make sure you do that.
1: Well, that's pretty good. I kind of like that idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Good question, Lil. Thanks for sending that one in to us. Again, if you've got questions for Kevin, want to talk them out uh, one-on-one, feel free to do so by calling 888-885-PLAN. Any question, whether it's Social Security, 401ks, work stuff, uh, it's all on the table here if it has to relate with your retirement and financial future. Tommy's up next. Tommy says, I have two 401ks from previous jobs. One is in Vanguard, the other one in Fidelity. I could roll them into my current 401k. All right, so we're talking about three total here. But I like the diversification of having them in different places. Is it smart to keep them separate like
2: this? What do you what do you take away from that, Walter? Uh, we talked. We talk, We just talked about.
1: It. I take away the, uh, and I don't mean this in a mean way. I just mean yep. a, a lack of understanding of what diversification really yes, is.
2: Exactly. So I'm betting, Tommy, that your Van your Vanguard and your Fidelity accounts are very similar in the investing style. Meaning you have, you know, maybe you have a Vanguard uh, growth fund and Fidelity you have a Fidelity growth fund. Well, if we look deeper into that, I'm betting that. That those funds own a lot of the same companies. They all own General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, or you know Visa, what have you. So the diversification really isn't there just because you have two companies. Now what we have to do is we have to tear that apart. We have to we have to really make sure we don't have what's called stock overlap going on. So we want to have you know either it's one company, two companies, three companies that doesn't matter we want true diversification so we have to tear that apart we have to get short different funds in there different you know long-term bonds short-term bonds you know growth stocks small stocks in mid-cap stocks that's what diversification is going to come from and then we want to make sure it's matching what you're trying to accomplish so in most cases what we tell people is come on in we'll help you determine that whether it's best to roll it over into one or to get them out in separate uh, accounts. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we're going to look at your 401k. Does your 401k only have four or five options like a lot of companies we're seeing? If so, it probably is best to look at, not saying to do it, but to look at and see what else is out there. Because now we have this whole world of investments we can look at, and it may be better tuned for what we're trying to do. So that's a great question, Tommy. We get that lots. But just because you have three different accounts doesn't necessarily mean you have diversification. We need to take a deeper look inside those accounts and make sure you're not overlapping, have you know the same stocks and bonds over and over and over. So give us a call if that's a concern of yours, Tommy.
1: Yeah, get some of those important questions cleared up, Tommy. Thanks for sending that one in. All right, uh, one last question for you here, Kevin. This one's from Howard, and Howard says, at the ripe old age of 63, I haven't enjoyed watching my investments get punched in the mouth recently. But I'm not planning to retire in the next couple of years. So should I just not worry about it?
2: Well, Howard, that's another question because, you know, as we've seen, the market's been very volatile. And I think you should worry. I think because you're only a couple of years out for retirement, we need to do an in-depth customized um, income plan for you to see are your current investments, are they going to enable you to retire in two years? If not... We need to tweak what's going on inside your plan now. And how do we know that? Well, if you don't know that question, you need to get it answered. And it's easy enough, you sit down um, and you start going through that process, that income planning process and seeing if your tools, because we talked earlier in the show, uh, Walter, about tools, your investments are your tools right now. Are they the right tools that need to get your, your job done or do we need to put those tools back in the toolbox, take out some different tools to accomplish getting you retired in two years. So that's a good question, Howard. There are a lot of good questions this week, Walter. That's a very good question. Uh, give us a call if you need want to go into it further, and we'd be more than happy to sit down and do this with you. That's what we do, week in and week out. We help people... Get ready to retire and get them into retirement and get them through retirement.
1: Again, the number to call to get in touch with Kevin Ray and have this kind of conversation, but about your specific financial situation. Pick up the phone, dial 888-885-PLAN. That is 888-885-7526. That'll put you in touch with your financial coach, Kevin Ray, at Insight Folios. More than three decades of financial planning experience. The co-author of the book, Navigating Through Retirement, Born and Raised in Pinconning, That's where you can visit in the office as well. 888-885-PLAN. Call now for a complimentary financial review. 888-885-7526. Kevin, thank you so much for your help and the guidance on the show today. As always, enjoy this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You too, Walter. All right, we appreciate it. That's Kevin Ray. I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Simply Financial.